Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. There was a missing person poster on the bulletin board downstairs in our parish hall. The young runaway's name was Jeff. His sister had mailed a hard copy to every Unitarian Universalist church in the state. They'd been raised in one of our congregations in Central Mass, and she thought he might come around. Jeff had been gone since the summer, and she was very worried about him. In the week before Christmas in 1989, David McCammock found me after the Sunday service and told me he was sure he'd seen him at our Friday night supper program. A scruffy guy calling himself Mike, who, like the young man in the picture, was missing his right earlobe. I called the number on the poster. Jeff's sister wept. I said we'd do what we could. The next Friday, he walked in. It was early. He sat down at an empty table. I went and sat next to him. Jeff, I said. Mike turned to face me and looked right into my eyes. Jeff, do you want to go home for Christmas? He did. I said, let's go. He'd been living outside and was pretty dirty. We got clean clothes from the bins in the storage room off the parish hall and drove to my house so he could shower and change. My daughter, Jamie, was 15 months old. I dressed her in a blanket sleeper and loaded her into her car seat. I remember glancing at Jeff riding shotgun and thinking of Mother Teresa saying of Calcutta's poor, Christ in all his distressing disguises. It was only much later that I understood how naive I was, how dangerous all this might have been. Mostly, I was filled with the anticipation of joy, thinking about Jeff giving himself to his family for Christmas. We drove west in the early darkness, far out of the city, then a few miles past the center of a little town. I parked in the driveway of a modest house. There were colored lights strung across the roof line and around an evergreen out front. I rang the bell with the baby in my arms, hoping to give Jeff's family a moment to compose themselves. Someone's boyfriend opened the door and started yelling for everyone to come. Then I stepped inside, into the chaos of exclamations and hugging, and a really old dad trying hard not to be caught, wiping away tears. Jeff came in behind me. The old man shook when he embraced his son. 
Feeling like Santa, I slipped out as soon as I could. Bringing Jeff home was one of the best presents I ever got. Once again, Christmas was all about a child and great love. Once again, the gift of Christmas had come from a stranger. Ahas, king of Israel, was facing hostile neighbors and a looming war. But the prophet Isaiah instructed him to trust in God's promise to Israel, declaring that God would give Ahas a sign. Those of you who know your scripture or know perhaps the alto recit from Handel's Messiah know the sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. God with us. United Methodist Bishop William Williman writes, King Ahas must have thought, isn't that just like God? What Ahas needed with Assyria breathing down his neck was a good army, not a baby. This is often the way God loves us. He continues, with gifts we thought we didn't need, which transform us into people we didn't necessarily mean to be. Then this stranger comes to us, blesses us with a gift, and calls us to see ourselves as we are, empty-handed recipients of a gracious God, rather than leave us to our own devices, gives us a baby. Author Ruth Cooper Dada lived in Vietnam in the 1960s. Her parents were missionaries and she was in elementary school. One December, the political situation had gotten very dicey and the American families were being evacuated, although it looked as though it would be the best Christmas ever for her and her siblings. Ruth Cooper Dada tells it, for once the double barrels of food, clothes, and toys from our stateside families had actually arrived on time. We had good things to eat, new clothes that fit, and toys fresh off the shelves. One aunt had even sent us a string of lights and a small generator to power them. We kids were in happiness over time. Until Christmas Eve, when someone blew up our house. We escaped with our lives and pajamas. The American government folks drove us straight to the airport to get us out of the country. Right before we boarded our plane to the Philippines, an elderly Vietnamese woman came up and handed my mother a bag. My mom, expecting another bomb, immediately told us to run and scatter. She tried to shove back the bag, but this wise old woman whispered to her, my grandson blew up your house. I could not stop him, and I cannot turn him in. In this bag is a Christmas gift and clothes for each member of your family. Ruth Cooper Dada continues, that gesture fixed its sum. And then later, as I have grown older, it fixed it all. 
My son's best friends, she writes, are Vietnamese Americans. It is within the realm of possibility that their families and ours might be connected by that night. Either way, we are connected spiritually. I mean to return to Vietnam someday, and when I do, I'll carry clothes and gifts for as many elderly women as I can. I owe that grandmother that much. The gift fixed it some, then fixed it all. The gift of something in the face of nothing, the gift from a broken-hearted person who might well have remained in hiding, the gift of showing up and standing fast with love in the face of hatred. The gift of Christmas from a stranger. Three years ago, Muslim clerics from every branch of Islam gathered in one place for the first time since the days of the Prophet Muhammad. They engaged in extraordinary text study of the Hebrew Bible, the Christian scriptures, and the Holy Quran. Out of that historic gathering came a letter declaring definitively, unanimously, that the common ground of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam is love. They wrote, in part, while Islam, Christianity, and Judaism are obviously different religions, and whilst there is no minimizing some of their formal differences, it is clear that the two greatest commandments are an area of common ground and link between the Quran, the New Testament, and the Torah. We know these commandments. Thou shalt love thy God. That's thy God. However you name the holy, thou shalt love thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. One last story. In a small Wisconsin town, a homeless man appeared at a wake. His name was Ernie. He was dirty and unshaven. Family members of the deceased went to ask the funeral director to escort him out. But before anyone could get to him, Ernie made his way to the casket and reverently touched the hands of the dead man. He turned to the family and said, he was the most wonderful person I ever met. The family then heard from Ernie how every morning for many years, their loved one had gone from, for coffee at the local cafe and always left money for a sandwich and a bowl of soup for Ernie. Beloved spiritual companions, and now may strangers come to us. Bless us with gifts and call us to see ourselves as we are 
empty-handed recipients of grace. Not an army, but a baby. May we accept gifts that surprise and transform us. May we be surprised and transformed by love. Amen.